ladies and gentlemen, the next United States Heavyweight Champion, Ravaging Rick Rude! There's nothing in my dreams, just some ugly memories. Please welcome the newest members of the Dangerous Alliance, I'm Anderson and Larry Zabisco! Real be my lover, I will shiver and sing. The world's greatest athlete and newest member of the Dangerous Alliance, the world's TV champion, stunning Steve Austin! Nothing left alive but a pair of Welcome one of Sting's best friends and a little stinger himself. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful Bobby Beaton! It's not an army, it's not a stable, and it's not a family. It's an alliance of businessmen who will bring WCW down to its knees. North-South Connection, welcome to episode number 10 of the 7 Months of Danger podcast. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and on this episode, we are finally in 1992. We have closed out 91. Last episode, we talked Starcade 91, which was... Uh, quite the interesting uh, hot mess of a pod, but it was still a lot of fun. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. So up first tonight, Matt Souza, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it is the holiday season. And uh, what, what better way uh, to spend the holiday season by listening to us chuckle fucks talk about the Dangerous Alliance? Absolutely. We, I mean, there is no better way to spend the holidays than talking about Larry Zabisco, because he is the man that brings joy to everybody, much like Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, Scott Shifflett, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, can't wait to see what happens with the Dangerous Alliance. As we talked about with the Battle Bowl episode, they were um, not feeling very dangerous. So we'll see if this hap- if this uh, changes up in, in this episode. All right, you, uh, you still riding that Star K91 high, Shift? Always. You never get down from that type of mm-hmm. high. His so. boner hasn't gone away yet. <laughs> you still got it. You still, you still got a big old boner over it right now. He's, he's yeah, still at half. He's still at half mast. I called the doctor. They said just watch it again and you'll be fine. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Logan, uh, Logan, how are you tonight, Logan? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about being, being called a chuckle fuck. I'm not sure I appreciate that, there, Matt. <laughs> what would you like? Um, what would you like me to call? I, know, it? I don't know. I'm just playing. Uh, great to be here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Great to be here. I love how you just like totally no sold that. All right. So, gentlemen, tonight we are going to cover January 4th, 1992 through January 11th, 1992. And we are going to start with a observer notes. But, Logan, uh, I will save you the trouble. Our worst match, I would assume, is still Zabisco. I'm sorry. Todd Champion versus Austin. And our best match is still the tag team match from The Clash, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Great. So 10 episodes in, I don't see that ever ending, but we'll see how that plays out. So our observer notes, from J- this is from January 6, 1992, and there's a lot of notes here, so please bear with me. So in the tradition of the famed bunkhouse stampede, now there is the Battle Bowl. If there's one thing that could sell on Star K91, it's that WCW produced a pay-per-view that wasn't even as good as most of its recent free Saturday <laughs> night television shows. 
it's one of those shows that where you sat there and waited for what would happen next, figured they were saving something special, but that something special never came. Before going on, what needs to be mentioned before anything else was the camera work, or maybe the work of the director calling the shots as they managed to miss far too many spectacular spots. Uh, Jim Ross and Tony Cervani were frequently making references to movement incidents, not just in the Battle Royal, but in many of the tag team matches that the viewers couldn't see because the cameras are pointed somewhere else. I think we, uh, I think we brought that up. I think I brought it up on the Pillman uh, Abdullah Slam. Uh, they missed it. Um, it's considered a cardinal sin for an announcer to talk about something the viewer can't see because it makes the poor camera work obvious. But geez, if they didn't, we'd never know that there actually was something good stuff taking place in the building. So I'm not going to go to all of you for thoughts on this one. Schiff, since this was your greatest paper of all time, how do you feel about Meltzer's take on this show? Uh, I guess WCW wasn't paying him like AEW pays him. Okay. Moving on. And uh, Logan, this is going to prove you wrong. Sting and Abdullah the Butcher versus Bobby Eaton and Brian Pillman and Luger and Arnie Anderson versus Terrence Taylor and Tom Zink. Both ranked three and a quarter and everything else not even close. So, Logan, how would you like to answer Meltzer on that one? He's still wrong like the rest of you, so that's all. Okay, I well, I feel like he got it right for a change, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. check mark for Meltzer on that one. Uh, next up, and Matt, I'll let you speak to this one. The lineup for the January 21st Clash of the Champions from Kansas, which will be two days after the WWF Royal Rumble pay-per-view has been put together as follows. The main event will be Sting and Steamboat versus Rude and Austin. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and returning Barry Wyndham and Ron Simmons will take on Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco. The Steiners will take on Big Van Vader and uh, Mr. Hughes. Van Hammer versus Cactus Jack. Uh, PN News versus Diamond Dallas Page. Richard Morton versus Johnny B. Bad. Oh, God. Pillman and the Patriots. Um, I know the Patriots are supposed to be off television for 60 days, but who has a calendar? They're supposed to take on the Pistols and the Diamond Stud. And Terrence Taylor will take on Thomas Rich. This will apparently set up the February 29th Milwaukee pay-per-view, which, of course, will be Super Brawl, in which the top three matches will be Sting versus Luger for the world title, Steamboat versus Root for the U.S. title, and Anderson and Eaton versus Rhodes and Wyndham. Uh, if they can get Liger versus Pillman as well, they'll probably have a great show. So the majority of those matches do happen, um, with the exception of one of those. So, Matt, I will go to you. Any thoughts on The Clash or the upcoming Super Brawl 2 matches that they have in, in mind for us. Yeah, I mean, that clash looks like a uh, looks like a really good show on paper, and obviously we're going to talk about it. Uh, it's going to be good to see Barry Windham uh, back in the ring. Uh, the Patriots still fucking kicking around for some reason. God help us all. And uh, save for uh, Sting Luger, uh, Super Brawl also looks uh, pretty good on paper too, so looking forward to watching that stuff. Absolutely. It's it's hard to believe that we're already talking about Super Brawl and I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so uh, Schiff, I'll go to you this on this one. Jushin Liger won the light heavyweight title on December 25th at the Omni for Brian Pillman and a match that Scott Hudson, of all people, called perhaps the best live match he'd ever seen. I know Scott Hudson is a very reliable person. Um, he says it's the best match he's ever seen. That didn't involve Ric Flair, by the way. Uh, reports are Liger and Pillman were at or around four stars every night during the week, although the reaction from Liger varied. In New York, he was over huge, and he and Pillman were given a standing ovation after their match. In Dallas, he was booed as a heel, even though it was a four-star-plus match. In Atlanta, the crowd reacted after two minutes, much like a Japanese crowd and cheering for both men. NBC TV's George Michael Sports Machine, which is an older book goodie that I used to watch, believe it or not, on Sunday night, um, air clips of Liger during a 1991 sports highlight rundown and called him the most outstanding wrestler in the world of 1991. Uh, Shift, any thoughts on this? 
not shocking that uh, Liger and um, Pillman were having great matches, as we'll see with the Super Brawl match. Um, kind of shocked how Dallas was booing him. But, you know, they just love the horse face Von Erich. So what do they know about taste? <laughs> <laughs> um, which Von Erichs were still alive at this point? None just Kevin them. and Carrie, right? Yeah, but, well, didn't Chris commit suicide in 91? No, Carrie. No, Chris, Chris, I thought, did 91. Carrie was until 93. If only there was a way we could look this up. We could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I think it's just Kevin and Carrie at this yeah, point. Yeah, wait, wait, wait and see the new movie coming out, The Iron Claw, with uh, Zach Efron and MJF in the, the Von Eric role. Yeah, wait, wait for that movie and we'll see what happens. Hey, Sean, was there a, there a lot of careless whispering on that sports machine show? Mm. <laughs> you had to have a lot of faith to watch it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, have you guys ever heard of George Michael? Freedom ninety, yeah. I, the the singer and the no, sports no, guy. No, George, no, George Michaels was a famous sportscaster here, and like this is one of the reasons why I watched sports back then. So on his nightly newscast, every Friday I believe he would have something from the Cap Center from wrestling. It was usually Hulk Hogan matches. So he actually covered wrestling on uh, the local news and then on a sports machine every weekend. So it's pretty popular back in the day. Well, did, did he did he want your sex? No, he was bald. Mm. He was bald. Um, unfortunately, he passed away some time ago. He was really, he was really good. He actually made you like sports. Both so. George Michaels are no longer with us. They are not with us any longer. That is correct. Wait, the singer died? Yes, Schiff. A long, a long time ago, Schiff. I think we just no, blew Schiff's mind. I, I, I thought he was after, still alive. I think it was one of those random moments where he was nude in the park jacking off. Before, and then he, I think that's No, I actually think it was a heart attack, but nice try, Sean. Well, no, but he, no, but he, I mean. I know, but he had a heart attack while he was jacking off noon in the park, right? I can't tell if you're kidding or not. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I was just waiting to see if you're going to. Good he, God almighty. He, he did get caught doing that. Yes, he did. Yes, yes he did. but that's not how he died. Well, I mean, if you're going to go out, it doesn't seem like a bad way to go out, but I'm going to move on because that's not what we're here to talk. We're not here to talk about George Michael jacking off in the park nude. Um, Logan, I'm going to go to you this one. And this might sound like real big news, Logan. Cactus Jack took a bump down a flight of stairs that while air on an upcoming WCW show. He <laughs> took a bump. He took a bump that could have resulted in uh, complete paralysis. No way. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying that in 1992, this is a note. Cactus Jack <laughs> bumped down a flight of stairs. That's amazing. Um, Gowan bump. Um, I'll give you okay, okay. So I'll go to Matt after this. Crowds were up Christmas week with the loaded lineups in every city. That's not what I want you to comment on, uh, Matt. I'll let you comment on this. Pia News returned from England with a swollen shut eye, courtesy of an altercation in a bar from Rick Rude. News couldn't beat Rude with both arms against one in arm wrestling, and things got out of hand. In reality, even though there are guys who look much more powerful, with the exception of Scott Norton, there probably isn't anyone in pro wrestling who could put Rude's arm down. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on PN News getting beat up by Ravishing Rick Rude? Uh, ow, baby. Ow, baby. Ow. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, well done. Well Thank done. Thank you. All right. This is something that really did bug me, and I thought about it during Starcade Pod, and I didn't bring it up. I'm not sure what the po- – and shift this is on you. I'm not sure the purpose of all this, but the past two weeks on television, they've run angles where Sting held the Scorpion on route for a long period of time, with all the faces making sure the hold wasn't broken, yet Rude doesn't sell it at the pay-per-view. Then the day before the pay-per-view, gets Sting gets destroyed by the entire alliance in a hardcore angle, but the next day it isn't even acknowledged except as pertaining to Marcus Bagwell, nor does Sting even appear to be shaken up from an incident. 
They don't run angles. They just fill television time with incidents that mean nothing as far as the arena or pay-per-view storylines. Uh, Shifty's got a point. What do you think? No, Sting's invincible. That's why. It was just a momentary lapse. Okay, that's not right. Uh, Logan, I'll go to you with an honest thought. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it it is kind of a plot hole there in the there with all that, but uh, yeah, it's not surprising. Uh, I I really I really think Rude is a little bit more checked out in this in this uh, run. Uh, he is. Yeah. And we haven't really talked about that as much as I feel like we maybe should have or should going forward. But I, I feel like he's really just not into this whole uh, group thing. So uh, we'll see how that progresses, though. Yep, that's a great point. Um, Sousa, the fake crowd noise on TBS these past few weeks has been even more annoying than usual. Fake crowd noise is the fucking worst. I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate it so much. I hate it when hated it when they used to do it on SmackDown. It's just fucking awful. Just let the natural reactions of the crowd come through the TV, please. It fucking sucks. I hate it. All right. Uh, Schiff, Jim Hurd purchased the WCW table for the next Cauliflower Alley banquet in Los Angeles. When Luthez asked him who he'd bring, Hurd joked, maybe I'll invite Vince McMahon. But don't. Like, Jim Hurd sucks. Like, this is more the guy like, that's... More like Jim Turd. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Former like, Pizza Hut executive. How dare you? <laughs> the ding dong, Sean. I know. I'm kidding. He's a piece of shit. Um, yes. Uh, I will go to. Okay. So, Logan, I'll go to the next one and I'll go to the mat uh, after. Lex Luger has the entire month of January off, including a clash at this point, with the exception of the Tokyo Dome show that we will actually discuss this episode. Logan, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think he's pretty checked out at this point, so not shocking to hear that news. All right. Uh, Matt, uh, surprising news coming out of this. There's mm-hmm. an awful lot of speculation that Lex Luger won't be around much longer, but it's hard to imagine anyone walking out on that kind of contract. Well, Lex Luger's not just anyone, you guys. Uh, it's almost like they uh, should have had Luger defend the title at Starcade 91 and taken the fucking title off of him. <laughs> Hmm. There you go. All right. Shift back to you. Uh, 1225 at the Omni, Atlanta Drew, 3600. Your card. Todd Zank pinned Larry Zabisco in a three-quarter star match. News of Bad beat uh, Dallas Page and Teddy Long. Teddy fucking Long uh, was a dud. Austin Drew Scott Steiner got two stars. Reed beat Sting via DQ when Sting went and break the Scorpion onto ropes. And after the match, Cactus ran in and Simmons made the save to set up a tag team match main event for the January 1st show at the Omni. Uh, they may draw a crowd coming back this soon because all of the balcony seats are only $3. Um, that match was two and three-quarter stars. Jack and Abdullah beat Van Hammer and Elegante in another uh, three-quarter stars match. Highlight was after the match when they brought in an empty portion of the arena. Liger pinned Pillman after Pillman did a belly-to-back suplex, but Liger got his shoulder up before the count, and Pillman didn't. After the match, Pillman presented Luger with the belt, Liger with the belt. And raised his hand in the two embrace. The crowd really loved this match, which airs on television on WCW this coming Saturday. That got four and a quarter stars. Steamboat and Rhodes beat Anderson and Eaton in a two out of three falls match when Steamboat pinned Eaton in the third fall of a match, which lasted 34 minutes. Uh, four stars in that one. And then Luger pinned Rick Steiner in eight minutes of a match that simply couldn't follow the TV, two previous bouts. One star. So the majority of this card sounded like shit with a couple of bangers. Shift, what did you think about this card? You hear the roster they had. It just seemed like it was wrestlers that hadn't hit their peak yet, like Austin, hell, even Scott Steiner. But it's just like they have them in weird spots. Like, 
even like Ron Simmons, you know, he wins the title in 92, but in like Cactus Jack, who wouldn't be taken serious to WWF as a main eventer, but it's just this company's at a weird spot and their booking is kind of bad, to be honest. As we've as we're gonna talk about tonight with like the same formulaic tag matches. Correct. Um, I will go to Logan on the next two. Barry Wyndham was supposed to have started back on January first at the Omni, but the doctors refused to release him. The January first Omni show drew thirteen thousand dollar house and about two thousand fans as the Young Pistols beat the Patriots. Johnny B. Bad pinned Buddy Parker, subbing for Jushin Liger, who, due to mix-up communications, was scheduled to return to Japan after Starcade. WCW body was staying through January 1st. Jesus Christ. Snyder's beat Van Vader and Mr. Hughes. Elegante pins Abisco to follow up on that fantastic match at Starcade. Oh Steve Oda Rhodes beat Anderson and Eaton, and Sting and Simmons beat Cactus Jack and Rude when Sting made Cactus submit. So, Logan, any thoughts on this? Thank God for those last two matches, because that, <laughs> uh, that sounds pretty awful. I mean, Steiner's, Steiner's Invader, maybe not Mr. Hughes, but Steiner's Invader sounds pretty good. But uh, that that uh, card is uh, pretty rough looking. Not not shocking that it only drew 2,000 fans. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And it's interesting that they did a, a, an Omni show a week after the Christmas show. So, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, if I were in Atlanta, I guess I probably would have been pretty happy. I've been all over that. So, mm-hmm. all right. And uh, last but not least on our uh, Meltzer Notes tonight, uh, Matt Souza. Mike Graham is teaching Marcus Bagwell and Van Hammer, which uh, we will hear a thousand times how Mark, Mark, uh, Mike Graham is training Bagwell in this podcast in the future because they constantly bring it up. So we obviously have uh, Mike Graham to thank us for Van Hammer and for Marcus Bagwell. What would you be your thoughts on that? Oh, that's why Van Hammer and Bagwell suck. Okay, very good. So with that, are we ready to jump right into it? Yes. All right, so we are going to January 4th. We actually have a Japan show. So this is actually a WCW New Japan Super Show. This would be the Super Show 2. Um, I believe this actually aired in March, but this actually took place on January 4th, 1992. and gives me the opportunity to fuck up a lot of names. Um, <laughs> so the card, you had Jushin Liger and uh, I was going to say Ari, uh, what was I say? Aioli, but it's Ayogi. I can't even say that name. <laughs> Um, this is going great. And the uh, Nagami versus Saito and Super Strong Machine and Hanaga. You had um, Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, which is kind of a big deal, versus Saito and Kim Duck, which is actually not bad as well. Good Lord Almighty. Big Van Vader versus El Gigante. Mm-hmm. And they Jesus. go to a double disqualification. You can't even give Vader a freaking win over that freaking putz. Um, Lex Luger with his final world title defense and only appearance in January – uh, defending his world title and defeating uh, Masachono. The IWGP world title, Ricky Choshu versus Tatsumi Fujinami. And the last match before the match we're going to talk about, Sting and the great Muda versus the Steiner brothers, which I would have fucking been all in on. So, um, Schiff, I'll go to you. Any thoughts on this Japan card? Do we think that maybe um, New Japan thought El Igate could have been like a weird star for them, and that's why they didn't let Vader just mollywop him around. Good God, not if they watched any of his matches. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, also, the, I want to see that Sting and Muda versus Steiner's match because that just sounds like a banger. I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Luger Chono probably might have been okay. Um, mm. I, I, maybe. <laughs> uh, the, the Rhodes the Rhodes match probably had a lot of good energy to it, probably. And then uh, Sting Amuto, yeah, I think I'd probably want to check that out, too. 
Uh, Fujinami and Choshu at this point seems a little outdated. They're more like mid-80s card, so I'm not like, eh, I'm not feeling that card. But the match we're going to talk about tonight features the Dangerous Alliance, and it is a mini-reunion of the Enforcers. Arn Anderson and podcast favorite Larry Zabisco taking on Ohara and, was it Koshinaka, I guess? Did I pronounce that right? Ohara and Koshinaka? Koshinaka, yeah, that's right. Koshinaka. All right, so... um, on a side note, uh, WCW no chill Japanese music is still very offensive. Like it's that very like, mm-hmm. it's very very offensive. WCW be better. Uh, Jr. and Tony bring up the enforcers' opponents as young stars in Japan. Larry is on his shit early, telling people to shut up, and uh, Larry is loud, so loud in this. It's almost like he, he's mic'd up in the like. I almost feel like he's wearing a mic because that's how loud he echoes through the arena. Uh, Larry goes at it with the ref, which was fantastic. And then he signals the ref to stick it up his ass, which absolutely popped me. Um, a lot of Matt wrestling and Larry being Larry this match, including a great shut up punk. Um, O'Hara is being sold as an amateur Japanese Kurt Angle popped me by JR a bit. And JR signals that he is this great wrestler by his small boots. Like there's actually, a, he actually has a conversation around how small his boots are. So JR, uh, really focusing in on what matters in this match. Um, Arn busting out a leg drop and a rude awakening was shocking. I've never in my life seen Arn do a leg drop or a rude awakening, so that was really cool. Um, I like the enforcer's heel work in this, um, especially on the Koshinaka. Uh, Larry pushing Arn's head back from apron to give him a leverage on the crab, I thought was really great tag team work. Um, O'Hara had some nice slams and a, a really nice top rope elbow on, uh, on Arn. The end comes when Larry knees O'Hara from the apron into an Arn spine buster, which looked great. Um, I really thought this was great vintage Larry Verbals and some simple, really good Matt wrestling. I thought overall, this is a really solid good match. I actually went two and a half stars on this match. Probably one of the better Larry matches for me. And um, yeah, I thought this was good. So Suze, I'll go to you first. What'd you think of this? I'm right there with you. I went uh, I went two and a half on this too. Uh, it was a very uh, slow paced match, a whole lot of uh, mat work, but uh, everything I thought looked really good. Even Larry, I thought his uh, some of the holds he was doing in mat wrestling he was doing looked pretty good. Uh, Larry, just so fucking loud <laughs> during this entire match, uh, echoed by the fact that the Tokyo Dome crowd doesn't say a peep, which is par for the course for a, for a Japanese wrestling crowd. So you can, he it's like he had a megaphone strapped to the face of to his face like a fucking feed bag on a horse like good lord he's just so fucking loud it's unbelievable but yeah uh, i did think parts of this particularly near the end was sloppy i thought ohara hit a uh, hit a sloppy elbow drop off the top rope uh the flying asshole i thought was a great move i always pop for that move um everybody likes a good flying asshole who among us doesn't <laughs> and uh the arn spine buster of course always looks great so it, it was fine but uh i'd be lying if i said i wasn't expecting a little bit more everything looked good but it was a very very standard tag team match so i also went to an half yeah i wasn't really expecting more I, this is actually a pleasant surprise for me to be honest with you uh shift what'd you think I was shocked at how much I uh, enjoyed this match because as we talked on uh, YouTube roulette and crock and roll, I'm not always the biggest fan of um, of these matches, but I will say I liked um, O'Hara. No, I liked uh, Koshinaka. Sorry, I have my notes wrong. I liked Koshinaka. Like, he showed good fire. And, um, like, I was shocked that Arn hit the Rude Awakening as well. And... You know, uh, the fans were behind O'Hara because he was, like, hitting some elbows, and the fans were actually cheering, which is something you don't see there um, with that. And I love that uh, the ending is, like, just DA tag work where Arn hit the spine buster if Larry had hit O'Hara in the back. I went three and a quarter. I really enjoyed this match. Jeez, wow. 
Okay, wow. you really like that match. All right, Logan, how about you? Yeah. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Logan. Uh, no, I, I missed this from the very beginning. <laughs> Larry starts off and is yelling, shut up. JR said that the Japanese fans don't like mouthy Americans. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that. I forgot Holy about shit, that. I did too. Wow, good call out. <laughs> JR, JR, not the most uh, sensitive individual when it comes to diversity and inclusion, by the way. Go ahead, Logan. Almighty. Um, I actually went two and three quarters. I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, shockingly, I, w- I was very surprised that I, I saw this match and I was like, good God, Sean, what have you done to us? But mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, like y'all have said, Larry is very loud and very obnoxious during this match. He tells the crowd to shut up, yet no one has said a damn word. No one's <laughs> chanting, no one's doing anything. But he turns around and goes, shut up, you bunch of idiots. And, you know, so. Um, but this is a I very Matt, Matt, Matt and submission-based match. Uh, I thought it was really well worked. Uh, but it's not the most exciting match, obviously. But I did really enjoy it. Uh, but, yeah, I went two and three quarters. And it actually works out to two and three quarters as a total as well. So, All right, yeah, I mean. Easy 12-minute match to watch. Like, it was nothing great, nothing spectacular, mm-hmm. just good, solid wrestling with great mm-hmm. verbal Larry. So, solid match. All right, so we're going to jump to our next match. Uh, we're going to Worldwide Wrestling uh, the same weekend, and it has the returning Ron Simmons, who, uh, as we all know, he had a wrist injury, and this is a return uh, facing Sonny Steve Austin for the television title. So, literally, his first match back, Ron Simmons gets a TV title shot. So, imagine that. Uh, Austin is out with Paul uh, Heyman. Um, I did. There was a spot where Simmons gets Austin's uh, head and a leg vice, and Austin kept trying to flip over on top of Simmons. And I really liked how Simmons kept using his arms to block it and pushing Austin back. I thought that was pretty cool or something simplistic. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I thought that resonated with me. <laughs> Simmons hit a few savage shoulder blocks that you could hear meat smack on, like they were super loud. Um, too much headlock to Austin by Simmons. Pretty cool crisscross action, but was let down by it because the ending was all Simmons lifting Austin and just dropping him on the top rope. I thought he was going to like pick him up and slam the shit out of him. Austin moves on to working Simmons' wrist, which kept him out, including Paul hitting it with his phone. There's a spot where Simmons is just laying his hand flat on the mat for Austin to stop on, which looked really stupid. Like, And then Tony covers it by saying Simmons is too weak to move his hand. I mean, I thought that was pretty idiotic. Simmons makes a comeback, including a clearly whipped headbutt that Austin sold. Simmons hits a great fall forward spine buster. Oh, and here's a shocker since it's an Austin match. Paul distracts the ref. Simmons has the cover. The first of many tropes we will see tonight where Bobby comes out, um, goes to the top rope, does a leg drop, and ref turns around for the DQ. Big brawl ensues between the Alliance and Barry Wyndham, Steamboat, Rhodes, and Simmons. Um, I thought it was a good post-brawl, but uh, we'll hear this a lot tonight. It's another trope, Austin title defense, which is kind of the same formula. And that Bobby Eaton top rope leg drop spot, which is really, really cool looking and I love. It's going to lose its luster as we go through the show tonight. So buckle in, guys. I actually went two and a quarter on a star. I didn't, it didn't do much for me. And again, I didn't think it was really that much of a shine for Austin. And it's kind of like the same formula that we just keep getting these matches. So Logan, I'll go to you first. What'd you think of this one? Yeah, I went two and a half. Uh, my first note is not a shock that Austin gets dominated early by Simmons, but I'm kind of okay with it because Simmons is a bigger guy and I feel like he's of equal or higher higher uh, level on the card at this point. I think he's uh, been presented as a as a big, um, maybe getting into the main event, but maybe not quite there yet. So I'm not as not as uh, against it as I have maybe have been in the past. Um, Despite all that, I think Austin does some good work here and really does a good job working over the hand, as stupid as that may be, uh, as a as a selling point. Uh, the catch power slam that uh, Simmons hits on Austin at one point is brutal and awesome. 
like that. I, I like that they actually got caught cheating for once. I feel like usually Bobby does the leg drop and sneaks out before the ref turns around. So I actually like that they got caught for once. I, I thought that was a good move by the ref. I do also love that Bobby throws the ref out of the ring after the match. Uh, great spot. Um, and the brawl after was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I went two and a half. All right, Chef. Um, so the reason why they were working the wrist is because uh, that's what Ron was hurt with. So I liked how no, they called. I like that too, but there's a point where Ron Simmons just holds his wrist out and he clearly can move it whenever he wants. And he just leaves it there for it to be stomped on. It was very, very obvious, but I get why they were working the wrist for sure. Okay. I, I just, I was just yeah. un, unsure, yeah. but, um, but yeah. I like how Paul E even hit the wrist with his phone. So like mm-hmm. it was, it was nice. Um, Ron had a hell of a spine buster to Austin, which I'm sure he's probably still feeling to this day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, you know, this was the second match that I watched for for this pack. And like, I was like, oh, Bobby hits the Alabama jam. We get the DQ. I went two and three quarters. I was really digging this match. Um, but it, like you guys said, it seems to be a reoccurring theme. Oh, yes. We will talk about it several times tonight. Uh, Matt, how about you? Yeah, I uh, I went two and a half on this. I feel like it was one of uh, Austin's better TV title defenses. And actually, yes, the DQ was very lame, but I actually don't mind it here because Austin's fucking going to draws with guys like Michael Hayes and the like. Like, there's no way he was going to pin Ron Simmons, you know? So I, I, I kind of I didn't mind the DQ because of that. It's still a, an awful finish, but I, I didn't hate it all that much. I really like the arm work by Austin. Uh, Austin going after uh, Simmons' injured hand I thought was really good. Uh, That power slam that Ron caught Austin with was sick. Uh, Just It looked really great. Uh, Great spine buster. And uh, yes, uh, Bobby Eaton hitting the Alabama Jam to draw the lame-ass DQ. Uh, Remember that finish. You're going to hear about it a lot tonight. So two and a half. Remember how great we thought that spot was when we first saw it? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see how that plays out the rest of the night. So uh, what does that bring the total to, Logan? Uh, two and a half. All right. So two solid. Okay. So we got two solid matches to start. So let's go to Saturday night, the same uh, January 4th. Uh, Arn Anderson versus Dustin Rhodes, which on paper sounds like it should be really great. Uh, so JR is plugging the clash already better than any hype they ever did for Starcade, by the way. That's one of the other things they do really well um, over the course of the next few episodes. They do a really good job plugging the clash and, they didn't do a good job plugging Starcade, but maybe they knew that they were getting into and said, fuck it, what's the point? Um, so a couple of things that are trophy for me. The WCW loved the head between the legs spot. Uh, mm. They also liked the hammer locks. Uh, at one point, Dustin's face uh, trying to get out of a leg lock was human centipeding Arn's ass. That Jesus was my note. God. Uh, <laughs> no, no, literally, it's that goddamn leg spot. <laughs> and literally, at one point, Dustin's nose is right up in Arn's asshole. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I certainly did. No, missed that. Good yeah, Lord. <laughs> I mean, leave it to Sean to pick that spot out, right? You 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 see the finer details. Yes, I I, I you know I am a I am a podcast professional. Of course. Um, yeah. uh, Dustin has a nice top rope lariat. Dustin would leg work after wrapping Arn's leg around the post, including a spinning toe hold in Figure Four. JR educates us that a man can endure a figure four, but the effects can last for hours. Uh, uh, Logan, did you know that? I did not know that. That that is uh, news to me. Yes, thank you, JR. Arn sells the leg like a champ. Arn hits a nice spine buster that JR says pulverize the vertebrae. Pulverize the vertebrae. Uh, Dangerously uh, hits a phone to the head on the outside. Then Then Arn hits Dustin's shoulder to post, which looked pretty good. Arn then works the arm. 
Dustin dumps Arn on the floor in a pile driver reversal. Dustin then has some great punches, a bulldog, a cover. Oh, Paul distracts the ref. Hey, look, it's Bobby Eaton on the top rope leg drop to the back of Dustin's head. Ref gets two and Steamboat stops the count. He tells the ref what's happened and they cut the cord to edit, telling us you have to watch the main event tomorrow night to see the rest of the match. So, um, and I missed that. So I actually went and watched the main event and I asked you guys too. I don't know if you did anyway. So going to the main event the next night, uh, you see Steamboat and Eaton fighting outside. The match has continued. Bobby trips Dustin from the outside. Um, there's a close two for Arn. Larry um, comes out and attacks the dragon. The faces get beat up until Wyndham comes out. The ref calls for the bell. Then Austin comes out. And it's a four-on brawl. And then Simmons is out. And re- again, another really great fight to end this. I do like that they're getting Simmons involved in this because I think he does add an additional layer. A uh, crowd lost their shit for the most part for this brawl. There's a lot of limb work for 20 minutes. Uh, the best part of the match for me were really the four minutes for the main event, which were the next night, and a really great brawl, really good carry-out energy. I went two and a half all-in, kind of thought we would get more, because all-in, this match was 24 minutes. And I don't know if it felt long to you, but 24 minutes, two and a half, I expected more out of Arn and out of Dustin. So, Schiff, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this? Well, I guess we're going to have our first argument. Um I really enjoyed this match. I, I'm not going to argue with you. I just th- I thought it should have been better based on who was in it. I thought this was an underrated gem, um, like a hidden gem. Um, I really liked how Dustin hit a lariat from the top rope and Ron and Arn rolled outside afterwards, uh, like just to like get away from the match, uh, get away from him. But Austin, I mean, Arn hit a spine buster, but was too exhausted to take over. They're just laying there, and um, I loved how Paulie uses like. So when I was watching, like, you know, I was born in 89, so I was watching all this stuff on VHS. Between the Zach Morris telephone and the racket from Jim Cornette, I thought those were, like, the deadliest things in wrestling because I was renting all these VHSs. So, like, when Paulie hit Dustin with the Zach Morris telephone, I thought it was awesome. Arn threw Dustin into the guardrail. Arn was now working the shoulder. Dustin Selling is great. He's only, like, two or three years in the business. And just to see how good he was from the very beginning is just amazing. I love how Arn tried the pile driver on the floor. Dustin reversed it. Dustin has the bionic punches and he gets the uh, bulldog. And then, like, Paulie interfered. I went, uh, and then, like, how you mentioned, I admittedly, I missed you resending that, uh, the post brawl, but I went three and three quarters on what I said. Jesus. Okay. Uh, yeah, I disagree with that. Logan, how about you? Uh, I did go uh, higher than you, Sean, but I, I, I went three. Um, there was a point at the beginning of the match that uh, Paulie complained about a uh, hair pulling spot, and Jr. claims that Paul is complaining about this because Paulie is losing his, so he's, lo- <laughs> he's losing his hair. So Jr. claims that that's why he uh, constantly complains about the hair pulls. Um, but this is another really heavy mat based uh, contest. Uh, uh, there was an awesome flying clothesline by Rhodes at one point. The spinebuster that Jeff talked about was great. Uh, great selling of the leg by Arn throughout the match. Uh, there's a couple of phone shots throughout the match. I thought the second one uh, was going to be the finish originally uh, before I actually saw the end of the match. And then the brawl at the end was great as well. I, I do like that they've done this the last couple of matches 
uh, I do think that that's something that could get to the point where it's not as uh, it doesn't hit as well because if you do it too much, it's just kind of like oh well, it's it's expected. It's there here, here, here everybody comes, you know. But um, and I'm also really uh, I'm ready for uh, Wyndham to be be back. I know he's not been cleared by the doctors, mm-hmm. but him being involved in all of these uh, brawls makes me kind of want to see him back in the ring. So, but yeah, I went three. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Barry Wyndham is one of my all-time favorite WCW guys. And in this time period, I don't remember him being out this long. Like, literally, mm-hmm. November, December, like, we're three months. It's only been, actually, three months, technically. But and they've really been building his return up, like, really big. And so when he finally gets here, hopefully we'll get the payoff in that. But um, well, well, Sean, if you were, you know, not a quote-unquote smart mark when you were, like, watching this for the first time, you wouldn't even think that he was injured, like, because he was always on there. It's like when... You know, I bring him up a lot, but it's like when Sting tore up his knee with the horseman. Like, they didn't let him, like, go out and beat and breathe because he was always there. And, like, he was the catalyst for Luger losing those matches in dumbass ways for the title. So, like, it felt like he never left. And that's what it feels like with Wyndham. It just feels like they don't have him wrestle and he's just, like, the person that comes and, like, assists or does a run-in. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, we're talking like this has happened now for the last. Well, you're right. He didn't technically ever leave because he's in a lot. He just doesn't wrestle. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and uh, Schiff, uh, not Schiff, but uh, Matt, what'd you think? Uh, I'm with Logan. I went three stars on this too, right in between you guys. Um, I thought Arn's selling was fantastic during this. I thought really, it turns out Arn Anderson's great. I don't know if you guys knew that, but uh, he's he's very good at what he does. Um, this had a pretty tentative pace, a pretty slow pace to it, but I think it worked here. And Arn took a lot in this, which I, I thought was kind of surprising. But And I thought the legwork was uh, really well done. Just... And on the flip side, too, everything Arn did to Dustin looked like it fucking hurt. <laughs> and I thought it was really, really well done. But I think the slow pace did kind of hurt it a little bit. Like, I think had they picked it up a little, even a little bit, I probably would have gone higher on it. Because, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the legwork. Uh, I bit when uh, Paul cracked Dustin with the phone the second time. I thought that was it. So that was a good near fall. But, uh, yeah, just a really good scientific match here. And uh, another D. DQ finish, but again, it makes sense here. Like, I kind of had a feeling this was going to end in some sort of schmozzy DQ thing. So, uh, yeah, three stars for me. Man, I've been the low man on the totem pole these first three matches. So, Logan, what does that bring it up to the total on that? That is a 3.06. A 3. Point what? Zero 0.06. Wow. All right. Well, let's see our next one, because I don't think uh, anyone's going to be as high as that on this one, but uh, I might have the shit take on this next match. So, we're going to the main event. <laughs> Um, on January 5th, 1992, it is uh, Steve Austin and Bobby Eaton taking on Starcade's greatest tag team, Van Hammer and Big Josh. <laughs> um, so uh, my look for Medusa tonight looks like she raided uh, Debbie Gibson's 80s teen closet. That is my, that is my take for God. Debbie Gibson tonight. Um, Tony is very confused as he says Bobby and Steve met for the TV title a year ago. Um, and Austin has been champ for almost a year. Um, in reality, guys, Austin won the title in June, has been champ for only six months. Um, just to let you know that. So, Tony, very confused here. Uh, there's good energy between Josh and Austin to start, and Josh is on fire. It's just like Starcade. Like, Matt Bourne is very, very good. Uh, then Van Hammer comes in and looks sloppy on the double team on the heels. Hammer looks like uh, he uh, he does a shoulder block and smacks Bobby's head very, very loudly, and Bobby flies out of the ring. I couldn't tell if that was a botch or not if you really heard him but that smack was super freaking loud uh tony uh says of the hammerheads 
uh, are all over the place as they stop. We will rock you. And Freddie Wright Mercury immediately rolls in his grave. Uh, Hammer's all blonde hair with a black patch up front makes me angry. Uh, Tony selling Hammer as a wrestler on a test of strength spot, suggesting a Greco knuckle uh, lock made me even angrier. Young Scott Shiflet in the front row has Sting face paint on, throwing his fist up and down in the air, rocking back and forth um, to the Willie Rock you stomp. So I assume that was you with the face paint, Scott, uh, if you were old enough. Was no? not old enough, but it would have been me in the front row. Yes. Um, that kid was totally out of control, like he had snorted cocaine or something. He was like 10 years old. Um, Austin pulling out a suplex on a spin-around clothesline and running elbow, um, at least I thought was different from him. Medusa holds up a piece of Hammer's hair and looks like she smelled a Jacob Williams crap dusting. Austin, uh, Austin God does, a, does a pretty good sell on a, on a missing a rope charge to jump on Hammer's throat when he moves. Crowd goes crazy. Josh is lit on the hot tag. Match, uh, match ends with ref setting Hammer to corner as Josh covers Austin. And what do you think the ending is, guys? For the third time in a row, Bobby Eaton comes out with the leg drop to the back of the head for Austin to pick up the three. Um, okay, I like this match. Yes, the ending was, again, that fucking bullshit trope, but that finish looks awesome. It's just they're overusing. Austin, for me, looked better here than he has at anything we've seen him in so far. And this is where I'm going to get the shit kick in the face. Even Hammer and Face Apparel could have been way worse. Um, Dan Shame, again, boring, got stuck with this gimmick. He is stiff. He is good. And I really think he could have stood out as a really great face to be part of that face contingent face of the Alliance instead of becoming a clown in the WWF. Here's my ranking. I'm going to get a ton of shit for it. I went two and a half. I really like this fucking match. And I'm going to go to Logan first because I know he didn't, I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I didn't I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't love it either. Um, I did love uh, Austin's aggressiveness at the beginning of the match. It kind of turns on him eventually as Josh kind of takes over and takes advantage of him, like, over overdoing, a little, overdoing it a little bit. Um, Medusa shows her stellar acting skills, and I had that in quotes. Uh, by blubbering lines as she was looking straight into the camera, she starts to say something, and she's like, "Oh," and you know, it, just looking like an idiot. It, it um, was that crop. It was that crop dusting through her. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. I also thought she uh, she was wearing uh, Austin's robe during this match, so I thought she kind of looked like she would be his uh, rat that he brought out to the <laughs> ring with him. Um, I thought the match was very bland. Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, but the same, the kind of same Z's finish, the Alabama jam to the back of the head, uh, is getting a little overdone at this point. But I, I did go two, but I was, uh, it was very bland for sure. All right, Schiff, I feel like you would like this match. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you are slightly wrong on this. Really, part. I'm surprised. <laughs> I would have. I, see, I am very disappointed to hear that. But okay. It, <laughs> It's because Van Hammer sucks. Like uh, yeah. Josh, but, Josh is great. Like but I Van love... Hammer is getting beat up the whole time. So for me, I guess it didn't bug me as much. I guess. Well, then, like Tony trying to call Van Hammer fans hammerheads. Like, oh god, no, I the Greco, just the blow Greco, my brains out every time he said that. Van Hammer, the wrestler with the Greco knuckle <laughs> knuckle lock, was ridiculous. That that's, that fucking killed me. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I do agree with you, Sean, about um, Big Josh being something if he wasn't just stuck with like a crappy gimmick but um and then oh my god guys like you said alabama jam to break up and austin wins um i win a star and a half on this what wow yeah all right susan how about you sorry sean all right uh i am with shift uh i also went a star and a half on this uh 
Van Hammer is the absolute worst. He's very he's in the same bucket as the Patriots for me. I, I think he's just absolutely terrible. I mean, there were parts. So of no matter match- how good the match is, because he's a Van Hammer, it'll never get above a certain point for you, right? Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, pretty much. Well, there's also the fa- there's also the fact that he's never had a good match in his life. You know that that counts for something too. So. He did. It was this one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say things we don't mean, for God's sake. Uh, I know you did. That's the scary thing. (laughs) Uh, At one point, they show a kid having some sort of seizure in the crowd. Someone, I hope that kid is okay. Someone needs to check on him. That was Uh, young shit. Oh, they, uh, you know, Eaton uh, was uh, being dragged to Hammer's level, which is a crime against humanity. Uh, I say again, how did this asshole keep a job in WCW for uh, 10 years? Uh, There was also one point where Medusa somehow ended up with a lock of Van Hammer's hair, and she just holds it into the camera and uh, shouts uh, some sort of thing. Who knows? Uh, And there was also that one part where uh, I think the ref uh, tried to count a pin when Hammer had a front face lock locked in so uh the referee was also was also quite bad but with all that being said the crowd was hot for it for some reason so it and was again, good. well that's not true uh there was uh i i, I feel <laughs> true i feel i, I feel kind of similar to the uh, big josh van hammer team here as i did at starcade where every time hammer was in it it was awful but every time big josh was in it it uh picked up a little bit and uh because of that i went the same rating so uh a star and a half and wouldn't you know it there's yet another uh, alabama jam finish it looks great but uh yeah uh, they need to kind of uh Simmer that down a little bit. So, uh, star and a half. All right. And, Logan, what does that bring us to? Uh, 1.87. What disappointment. That's that's very sad to me. Very, very sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, really enjoy, I really enjoy I really, I really enjoyed that match. All right. Uh, uh, if you say so. Uh, <laughs> January 11th. Uh, we're going to January 11th now. And we are going back to Worldwide. And we have a pretty banger of a six-man on paper here. Um, it's uh, Ricky the Dragon, Steve Dustin Rhodes, and Ron Simmons taking on Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, and Steve Austin. So this has banger written all over it. At least I hope it does. Uh, so Steamboat um, does an insecurity to all three heels, um, which I thought was pretty great early on. Simmons gets a double clothesline on Bobby and Arn, then taking down Austin, I thought was also very good. Paul yells at Medusa on the phone. Uh, Arn says he's uh, Arn. Why he's talking to Medusa on the phone says he's too strong was um, a nice touch. I kind of like that dynamic of uh, Arn. Uh, it's kind of like when he did that whole steamboat. He's just a man. He's a huge like you know. It's kind of what it remind me of. Dustin gets his shine elbow in all three faces. I loved Arn's one of the best spots, and you never see shit like this. Arn sacrificing Bobby's head to stop a Dustin comeback was amazing. Um, I love the heel work on Dustin, and Dustin is the face in peril trying to fight back. Uh, Steamboat showed good fire, losing his shit on Arn outside as they beat up on his partner. Um, I also loved him sacrificing himself on jumping on top of Dustin and taking an Arn knee drop for him. Randy Anderson looked like he missed a bump cue and fell to sell his knee and jumped right back up. Uh, the Arn and Dustin colliding after Dustin reverses Arn's head into Austin's knee was also good. Uh, Simmons goes uh, full-on beast power mode on a hot tag, clipping all the heels' knees with tackles. Um, all six go in the ring, and then Arn holds Simmons, Bobby up top, and Steamboat knocks Arn down as Bobby comes down. Um, and is caught by Simmons, who hits an absolutely savage spine buster for the three. Uh, Larry comes out, and the heels get their um, get their heel back, uh, their heat back. Uh, there's a double pile driver on Steamboat, and then Bobby comes down with the top rope leg drop on his throat. 
Then Hacksaw Barry Wyndham runs out with his uh, uh, with his piece of wood and he makes a save. Um, I know I said, listen, guys, I fucking love this match. Um, I think it's the best multi-tag team match we've had yet with um, with this whole thing. I went really super high. I went three and three quarters. I fucking love this match. Uh, Suze, I'll go to you. I mean, I, I liked it a lot, too. I, I didn't go nearly that high on the rating. I went three stars on it. Uh, the thing for me, and I started, I'm starting to kind of notice it a little bit, a lot of these tags are starting to feel very samey to me. Like, okay, can I, can I interject something real quick on that comment, if you don't mind? Go right ahead. Not trying to say it. So if you, like, I mean, host me, privilege. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> that. This, no, this is kind of a serious point. I'm going to make a serious point. Is that spot where Arn sacrificed Bobby's head, and then that spot where Steamboat jumped on top, you don't see shit like that. So I get what right. you're saying about the Sandy, but those those were fucking awesome spots. Just like little detail that made it really good, I thought. So I just right. No, I, I agree with you that those spots were great, but I'm talking more like the overall match, not just like a spot. Like I feel like every match starts this, every tag match I should say starts kind of the same way. You know that there's going to be some sort of clear out move where all three heels are going to go to the ring. Then it's going to pick up. There's going to be a long heat segment. Then all six guys are going to come in, and it's going to be a chaotic finish. I feel like most of the matches that we've most of the tag matches we have seen are following that formula and yes the stuff in it like within the match itself could change a little bit and you know it could be better it could be worse like i I liked a lot of the stuff in this match but i i would like to see them kind of switch that formula up a little bit maybe do something just a little bit different just just for my sake (laughs) and my sanity and like that's the thing too is like all these matches are still really good but I, I, I'd like to see him just switch it up a little bit. But l- like you, I, I did really like a lot of this match. I thought the segment where Steamboat comes in to cover up Dustin so he could eat the brunt of the knee drop. I thought that was a really neat, really unique spot. Uh, Paul yelling, just screaming at Medusa on the phone, I thought was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I, I, I liked uh, Simmons being the hot tag and cleaning house. I thought that was great. And I thought uh, it was a shocking finish here. Like I didn't see the Dangerous Alliance losing here. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty surprising. So I, I did like the match. Uh, not as much as Sean. I went three stars on it. All right. Uh, Schiff, I'll go to you next. Uh, I'm locking stuff with you on this one, Sean. I went three and three quarters. This match yeah, was awesome. That's right. And it was like, I loved how like we're getting to the point where they're starting to sacrifice each other for the team, like how Bobby did it. And then like, you know, Steamboat did it for his tag team partner because they're still the tag champs. I love how Dustin was selling his arm like it was death. Um and, like, I, I loved at one point Dustin got a schoolboy out of nowhere, but Austin then just turned around and just laid him out with a lariat. Um, and, like, I love, like, how you guys said Ron Simmons was the hot tag. And him catching Bobby off the off the top was awesome. Like, you know, we, we talked about how every match has been Bobby off the top row with Alabama Jam. It's like, nope, we caught you this time. And it was, like, this was one of the first times we've actually seen the DA, to my knowledge, actually take a a pinfall loss. Um, if you guys can remember, because I, I can't right now, besides like the Larry match at Starcade. No, that's a, this, this was a pretty big, this is a pretty big win for the faces for sure. Yeah. And then like afterwards, how they did the spike pile driver to steamboat. Like it was, it was just frenetic and it was, I, I loved it. All right. So three minutes. So uh, shift, you made me proud. Logan, how about you? 
Uh, I'm with Matt actually to disappoint you. I'm sorry. All right. Well, you're uh, wrong. <laughs> I still went three. I still went three on it. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I share a lot of Matt's sentiments. Um, uh, Steamboat dominates early. Uh, Simmons continues the dominance, and then Rose does the exact same to start the match, kind of like all these uh, six mans do. I love Paulie losing his mind uh, as no strategy is working. He's uh, yelling at Medusa on the phone, like y'all talked about. Uh, the heels do a really good job of getting Rhodes in the corner and taking over. Uh, they really wear him down and focus on the injured, uh, the previously injured shoulder that he has. Uh, the spots that you've talked about with Arn and, Ste- and Steamboat kind of sacrificing themselves, I thought that was the most babyface move that Steamboat could have done, sacrificing himself so Dustin getting, didn't get it hurt any further. Um, and the spinebuster by Simmons wasn't his best spinebuster uh, that we've seen, uh, but it was nice to see the faces actually take advantage of the chaos for once because uh, usually when the chaos happens, that's when the Alabama jam gets busted out and the dangerous alliance kind of steals the victory. So, um, But it was nice to see the faces kind of take advantage of that chaos for once. Uh, but yeah, I went three stars with Matt uh, on this one. All right. So um, you have the total on that? 3.37. All right. Still pretty good. So I, for me and Schiff, I would say go out of your way to watch this match because I think it's the best multi-man tag team match. Um, I just think all everybody hit on all cylinders in this one and a pretty shocking ending, I thought, which I thought was really good. So definitely love this one. All right. So we're going to go to Saturday night, same weekend. Um, and we get the long-awaited battle that I know everybody's been waiting for. Sonny Steve Austin versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell in a 10-minute challenge match. Um, let's see. I like that Jar brings up Bagwell, said he wasn't ready for this. But after the attack, he decided to do it. So it was kind of a good like segue there. Um, for the attack we saw here a couple episodes ago. Um, I wish, this is my first mention, I wish they would quit reminding us that uh, Mike Graham has been training Bagwell. <laughs> um, at, at one point, they run into each other in the ring and they either know what to do, so they hug into the corner. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it looks absolutely <laughs> stupid. Uh, seems all Paul ever does in these is talk on the phone. Bagwell gets a nice shine on Austin until Austin gets him into the post. Austin hits a nice suplex from outside of the ring. Um, I like Austin rubbing his forearm in Bagwell's face. Uh, he does the same cell road spot he did in the Bam Hammer tag earlier as he misses a charge into Bagwell's back. Uh, match goes the full 10 minutes, and he lines charge out, beat the piss out of Bagwell, stings out, and pulls him out of the ring. Um, I thought match was more angle, follow it to me, and a chance to give Bagwell some shine. think it doesn't do much for Austin, but not terrible. I kind of went kind of like a gentleman's two, just kind of there. So, Logan, I'll go to you first. What would you think? Well, I went, I went two and a quarter. I uh, went a little bit higher than you. Uh, Bagwell's hair in this match is an entity all to itself. Uh, he has some great <laughs> hair uh, going on on this one. Um, also kind of slaps him at one point, and I love that Bagwell kind of returns the disrespectful slap. I, I, I kind of disagree with you. I thought this was a pretty good showcase for Austin. I, I don't know that it does much for him, I guess, but um, but we haven't seen Austin kind of dominate a match so far, so it was nice to see that. And I do think it did a good job of showing how kind of resilient uh the young Bagwell is so um yeah like I said I went a little bit higher than you with two and a quarter but uh not a great match but uh, I thought it was a pretty good showcase and kind of uh, uh for both guys okay Schiff uh I actually like the story that was told here was that Austin was not taking Bagwell seriously like uh Austin would be laughing at him when he would get Bagwell on the ground like Austin would just throw him around then just laugh at him and uh, so, like, Lynn Bagwell was, like, showing showing fight there. And that was the story of the match was that Austin couldn't put him away because he didn't take him serious at first. So with the time limit draw, I went two and three quarters. Like, I, I really enjoyed this. Oh, wow. 
Jesus Christ. Sousa? I'm with Sean. I went gentlemen's two on this. Uh, I I thought Bagwell was super sloppy in this match at points. It's just a slop-ass drop kick at one point. There was another sloppy roll-up. Yeah, rookie of the year, my fucking ass. He's just (laughs) super sloppy in this match. And he's not even a fucking rookie. He's been wrestling for years. He's he's a a ten-time rookie of the year. His face is a slop-ass drop kick. That doesn't doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, (laughs) Your face doesn't make any goddamn sense. (laughs) There it is. It's the old standby. Uh, And I I do think, uh, I mean, I I get what they were doing. Like, they want to have Bagwell be able to go toe-to-toe with Austin. But again, it makes Austin look bad that he can't put Bagwell down. So, uh, yeah, Uh, gentleman's two for me. Again, makes Austin look weak. All right, uh, Matt. Matt made the right choice this match. What does that bring you to, Logan? Two point two five. I make the right choice every match. How dare you? That that is that is incorrect. <laughs> you did for that one. All right, so uh, I'm going to knock this out real quick. So we got a Sting interview in a top ten. So Sting comes out later with Bagwell. It says his blood is boiling because the Alliance wouldn't break the rookie in properly. Says he was a kid um, and was broken in proper. Says since he and Bagwell have something in common. He challenges Paulie and any of his two guys in a tag team match. He says, Bagwell, come here. I want to talk to you, which is odd because Bagwell's standing right next to him. And then they walk away. Um, and then he, I go, and then the other note I made is, what proper way should heels break in a rookie? And wasn't everyone a rookie once? What exactly do you think of Bagwell have in common? Mm-hmm. Uh, JR says, apparently challenges made for next week's broadcast. Not sure Sting said that either. So kind of a hot mess of a setup here. Um, I'll let you guys talk about it for, um, after I do the top 10. So your top 10 this week. Number 10 is Vader. Number nine is Scott Steiner. Number eight is Larry Zabisco. Number seven is Dustin Rhodes. Number six is Cactus Jack, which seems kind of high for Jack. Number five is Rick Steiner. Number four is Steamboat. Number three is Austin. Number two, Sting. And number one is Rude. Matt, I will go to you first. Anything on the interview or the top 10? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that Sting all of a sudden wants to team with Bagwell. Again, it kind of feels like they're trying to give Bagwell this rub, this this hot five-year rookie, uh, Bagwell, they're trying to give him uh, the rub, which is a weird choice. Like, it, it, And it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, like, is he, like, he, he's not going to be able to stand up with the Dangerous Alliance. I'm just going to fucking say it. It's not going to do anything. And as far as the uh, the top ten list, yeah, uh, uh, Jack uh, ra- rated uh, way too high. And as always, uh, Larry Zabisco has no business being on that list. Yeah, I was disappointed. Where's my Abdullah the Butcher? Why is he not in the top ten? Because he sucks. <laughs> you, you suck. Uh, Logan, Face what did you sucks. think of the interview, and what did you think of the top ten? Yeah, the Stinks kind of sounded like a moron in this interview, so uh, I won't. you won't get any argument from me there. Um, but... Uh, the top 10 is pointless as always. So, uh, move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think should never go towards a microphone ever shift. What did you think of this? Yeah. Not the best promo, uh, from sting here with him saying they were broken in the right way. Ugh. Phrasing. We still doing that. Yeah. Um, but I loved how like he challenges the DA and it definitely seems like they're, you know, he's the longest rookie of the year ever. Like you guys said, but definitely seems like Bagwell may be getting that rub, but it's always so weird with this. Like we'll, we'll see some of it in our next episode where it's like sting and Bagwell are fighting against the DA. But then there's like another side where it's like steamboat Simmons, Wyndham and Dustin are fighting the DA and they don't ever like mix. So I don't know if that's because they're on different TV shows and WCW's in their weird continuity, 
but it, it's like they very rarely mix. And like, I know we'll see it next episode, but that's just on Saturday night. Gotcha. All right. Any thoughts on the top 10 before I move on to our last match? Uh, we're starting to see Rick Steiner being de-pushed, sadly. Ah, good point. Good call out there for sure. Mm-hmm. And you see Steamboat and moving up the you see Steamboat moving up the ranks as well. So yep. Um, all right. So our last match of the night, um, match number seven, uh, which is also on this Saturday night, is another six man tag. So it's Arn Anderson, uh, good old Larry Zabisco, Rick Rude taking on Dustin Rhodes, Steamboat, and Simmons. So on paper, looks like it could be pretty good, um, depending on how Larry decides to show up tonight. Uh, so, all right, so this might be a good, this, okay, here's my Medusa take. Medusa is dressed in a tuxedo where she will be stripping it off at the Gentleman's Club next to center stage immediately after the tapings tonight. Boy, that is an oddly specific reference. I thought it was, I thought that was pretty good. And, it, and it's at least four sizes too big as always. You're correct. Uh, I said, it's good to see Rude in one of these multi-man matches because we haven't got a lot of Rude matches. If you really think about it, we have not seen a lot of Rude matches with him with the rest of the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, JR, again, then uh, pins the Clash in the tag matches featuring these competitors. Uh, this is where I started to think about the Clash, and I feel like, all right, so the freaking Clash main events with these guys are all tag team matches, and that's all we ever get with them. So what distinguishes that Clash from anything different than we already watched? So I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind when we get to the Clash, by the way. Um Polly accepts the tag challenge uh, for next week. And then JR tells him to shut up and calls him a big mouth jerk. Uh, Steamboat uh, hit a nice side karate kick to Arn's face. Arn goes up top and Steamboat drop kicks him outside. Simmon goes outside and press slams Arn back into the ring into a Steamboat chop. Dustin hits Rude with a second rope lariat. Simmons works Rude's arm and lifts him in the air by it and throws him back down. Larry tags in and immediately tells everyone to shut up because the crowd tells him he sucks. Um, and, and I made the note, how dare they? Uh, nice spot where Larry and Rude throw Simmons in the corner, but he barrels out of the, out of the corner doing a double clothesline him. Uh, Larry gets nailed, but Rude um, ducks and starts wiggling and sits at the crowd, but Simmons turns around and the Atomic drops him. Nobody sells an Atomic drop like fucking Rick Rude, by the way. Uh, then Rude does an inverted, an inverted and then, uh, then Simmons does an inverted one on him, too. Uh, Steamboat unloads with fists and shots to Larry, who lets out loud uh, oos with every hit. Steamboat is pushed off the top rope by Arn as he go, uh, by Arn as he goes to the top rope to chop Larry. Heels works Steamboat's back. Arn and Larry, um, Larry, uh, Arn and Larry continue to work over uh, Steamboat. Um, they both charge off the rope, but Steamboat moves and they collide. Uh, Dustin on the hot tag takes on all three heels. There's a cool ending where Dustin hits the bulldog on Larry and covers, but he sees Bobby out to do the top leg, uh, the top rope leg drop. So Larry holds him down. So um, he can't get up, and the ref does the three count. So again, Larry sacrificing himself. So uh, Steamboat gets hit with that uh, leg drop, which I th- or I'm sorry, Dustin. So that's really cool. I like that spot. Uh, Bobby off the top hits Dustin. Larry then hits a brain buster on Dustin. Another really good six man match. I didn't think it was good as the first one because I felt thought it felt a bit rushed to the end. Um, and the heels didn't get much offense, but it's solid. I went three stars on this one. So uh, Logan, I'll go to you first. What did you think? Uh, I, yeah, I went a little lower. I went two and a half. Um, I thought this was kind of samey, uh, to the other six man. Um, oh, I thought it was way different, but okay. Yeah. I, I just, I felt, it felt very, very, very similar to me. Um, rude. Like you said, the atomic drop cell is uh, otherworldly. Um, Larry kind of getting hit with all the finishers at the end towards the end was great. I, he sold them like, you know, he got shot with a cannon or something like that. Um, and this was a uh, another match with another Alabama jam. So, um, 
yeah, I, I do. I do like the little wrinkle they put in with it, uh, with the uh, holding down that uh, Larry did. So I did like that part. But yeah, I went two and a half. Yeah, you know what? I think what I've liked about these six man matches, and I get again, I know what you're saying about the same guys. I totally understand. But there's there's little things like that spot with Larry holding them down, uh, the sacrifices. Maybe I, I just think that differentiates what we see in the normal stuff, and I think that's good enough for me. But um, but I also understand. Uh, Schiff, what do you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I have it a little bit less than the other six man. I went three and a half, but like I also believe that Rude selling the atomic drop is le- worth at least a star of list. And we continue to see the transition of the feud, but from Rude and Sting to Rude and Steamboat, even while they're hyping up Rude and Sting matches uh, at the house shows. But uh, I love the at the end how they hit the brainbuster and the Alabama Jam. Like it made the DA look like just so threatening. Like they like. They will beat the hell out of you before the match, after the match, during the match. It doesn't matter. I really enjoyed this. And coming out of a um, not-so-great showing at Starcade, it seems like they're back on track. All right. And uh, Susan, close, close this one out. Uh, so I went three stars on this one, too, like the other uh, six-man tag. I, I thought this was good, but again, I feel like it kind of had the same pro- – I kind of had the same problems with this than I that I had with the uh, the previous six-man tag. Uh, I, I thought the ending – I actually didn't mind the rushed finish. I liked how chaotic it was and how it just – you know, chaos ensued, and I, I thought that was really well done. I, I did think the finish was a little funky where uh, Dustin hits uh, the bulldog and then the cam just, again, completely fucking misses the bulldog. <laughs> Again, like, Jesus Christ, can we get cameraman who actually know how to shoot the goddamn ring, please, for once? But, uh, yeah, uh, the rude selling the atomic drop, always fantastic. And I, I liked uh, the uh, the brain buster that Larry hit on Dustin after the match. I thought that brain buster was sick. I yeah, never would have. Where did that come from? I never would have thought I'd ever see Larry hit a fucking brain buster like that. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was a, a really good uh, six man. So three stars for me. All right, so at least so so really good close out there. So what we got tonight was a lot of decent good matches, but they kind of gel together, especially because of all these six bands. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the challenge with the alliance and what we're seeing is there are a lot of samesies, but for me, I'm still at that point where they do just enough for me to keep it differentiated. So I actually enjoyed this watch for me. This is one of the better watches for me, but uh, let's see how it plays out. So we will go to our. You don't award. want another match rating. No, it was, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm actually going to bump mine up to three as well. I, I think you guys are probably right, right on the money with that one. I probably underrated it at first. So 3.12. Pretty good. So pretty decent showing there. So some pretty solid match scores tonight, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go over to our award. So least dangerous. Logan, I'm going to go to you first. I always go oh. to Susa first. So I got to cut him some slack. Oh, Jesus. Thank um, you. It's a Christmas miracle. Yes, you had a lot of the same scores I did tonight, Susa, so I'm cutting you a break. Jesus Christ, this is hard. It is very hard. Very yeah. hard. Yeah. Because oh, everybody did, you know, you know who's kind of an afterthought for me? Who's that? Arn, almost. Well, no, because Arn had that really good spot in that match. So I can't, no, this one's hard because I feel like they're all on equal ground pretty much. Right, they're all very similar. I mean, I I'm kind of just over rude at this point, so I'm going to go with rude. Yeah, you know, I you know they're gonna spectacular per se, right? I mean, he does a great sell on Atomic Drop, but mm. yeah, I'll go with Rude, Souza. Yeah, uh, I I feel like you kind of have to go with Rude. I mean, everybody else 
you know, did stuff. I mean, I mean, everybody did stuff on this episode, but I feel like what Rude did doesn't really compare to what guys like Arn and, uh, you know, even Eaton and I don't know. It just feels like Rude. He's they're They're presenting him like he's supposed to be the guy, but in practice, he's actually not like the other guy. I feel like the other uh, members of the Alliance are above him right now. So uh, maybe that'll change. But right now, that's kind of where I'm at. So, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll go with Rude here, too. Yeah, I just feel like he just I, I forgot who said it. it might have been Schiff. He just doesn't feel like he's feeling this whole thing yet. It just doesn't seem like it's clicking for me. Um, what about you, Schiff? I'm going to go with Austin. He was in that crappy Hammer and Big Josh match. And he couldn't have put away Marcus Bagwell. Oh, I just dis- I disagree. I think Austin. Um, that's what's you know for me most dangerous. I'm going with Austin, and the reason why is I feel like Austin had his best showing yet in a lot of these matches. So for me, it's showing improvements. So he's actually going to be my most dangerous. Logan, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go Austin as well. I think this is his best episode so far. All right, Souza. I I think I'm going to go Arn instead. Austin is really close, but. Uh, that fucking Bagwell match <laughs> and that match with Van Hammer. I just can't do it. So I'm going to go with Arn here. All right. And Schiff? Double A. All right. So host privilege. We're going with Austin. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the word of the podcast, host privilege. <laughs> host privilege. It's, it sucks when you have a tie, by the way. Um, all right. Uh, the uh, worst match, Schiff? Uh, the Van Hammer match. Which Van Hammer match are you talking about? Austin and Eaton versus Hammer and Big Josh. Okay, you're wrong. Okay. Tuza. I guess I'm also wrong, because that's what I'm going with, too. <laughs> you guys are fucking nuts. Well, well, all right, Sean, what match would you like me to pick? Uh, I don't know. Go ahead, uh, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, purely based on... Uh... Star ratings, I actually would say that as well, but it's not It's not because it's... Ha! Like I said... I say, ha. So you're picking that match too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not because it's bad. It's just it. It's the worst. So, match so for me, was. for me by default, it's Austin. Uh, it's Austin Bagwell for me. Yeah, I could see that one too, honestly. But uh, no. yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I'm just giving you shit. I could see why you got. I, I don't know. There's something about that match with. I don't know why it resonated with me. I just enjoyed that tag. Team Sean's match. a big Sean's a big Van Hammer fan, as it turns out. No, it was a Van Hammer. It was more about. <laughs> I, I am a big. He's a fan. hammerhead. No, I am. A big, <laughs> I am a big fan of Big Josh. I'm getting irritable every time he fucking loses because he's the best wrestler in most of the matches he's in. So it's starting to make me angry. Um. All right. Uh. Best match for me, obviously, it was the uh, the initial six man that uh, uh, Schiff and I went three and a quarter stars on, um, or three and three quarters. Uh, Susan, how about you? Yeah, I had uh, I had three matches at three stars, but I think I'm with you. I'll go with that six man too. All right, Schiff. I already. Know, I think you're the same. Yes, sir. And Logan? Yeah, that six man was the best for sure. All right. So uh, good. We're all agreed with there. And last but certainly not least on the journey, uh, 10 episodes in, how do you rank this on the journey of the Dangerous Alliance? For me, I felt this was more of a cohesive unit. I thought they were all good at the match. The matches were solid. I don't feel like they oversold for the faces. I think there was a good balance. I'm actually going to go pretty high. I'm going to go four. This has been one of my favorite watches. So four out of five for me. Schiff? I'm going four out of five as well. It seems like, uh, as I mentioned when reviewing the last match, they're back on track, and uh, they seem to be closer as they're now protecting each other. So, like, if they're the legal man, they'll take the you know the brunt of the pain if they're not the legal man. So, yeah, 
Four. All right, Logan. Yeah, I think I'll go four as well. I think this is a real good, uh, good showing for the whole group. Uh, I think this was Austin's best showing. Uh, you know, may- maybe we're a little down on Rude, but I think everybody else showed up and and their matches and uh, did did really well. So four. All right, Souza. Uh, I'll go a notch lower. I was, I'll go three and a half. I was uh, lower on some of the matches, but you're definitely seeing like the dangerous Alliance act like more of a uh, cohesive unit. So that is a, that is a plus, but it would, it would be good to see more promos. Like we only saw one promo during this entire episode. So I, I'd like, I would like to see more promos from just Paulie or really anybody. So, uh, yeah, I, I think had we gotten, you know, maybe one or two promos, I probably would have been with you guys at four, but as is, I'll go three and a half. I'm with you. That's one of the downsides I've noticed about this era. It's very match heavy and not promo. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, we get a good promo and random, it's really, really great. But it's not like the mid eighties where you got less match and more promo. It's the exact opposite now. So, right. um, and I think that might take like, if we had that to break it up a little bit, I think a lot of these matches might seem different to us because there's nothing to break it up. It's just flat match, 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 match. But mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, um, a really good episode. Um, for me, it's been the best watch out of 10 episodes. I can't believe we're at 10 episodes already. That's crazy. So um, with that, um, next uh, in two weeks, we will return and we will talk about January 12th, 1992 through January 18th, 90, 1992, which will be our final watch until we get to the January clash. So um, with that, I am Sean Kidd. For Scott Shiflett, Logan Crossland, and Matt Souza, we will see you in two weeks.